They're getting up and going. Great. It anymore as soon as he's finished. I already know. I like to say it. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles this morning, open over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, or you can follow along on the Version app. And while you're turning there, it seems like one of my family's favorite hobbies is looking at photos. They like to look at photos. They, they'll, you know, randomly I'll get a text from my parents and they'll be like, hey, look at these pictures we found when we were looking through old boxes or whatever, and they'll send me like 10 or 15 pictures. And uh, I remember growing up, I hated looking at pictures. I did not like it. I would rather be doing anything else than going back and looking at pictures. But I've learned, the older I've gotten, to appreciate looking through old photos. I mean, there's a lot of benefit to looking at, you know, photos that we've taken. One, you know, it gives me ammunition for if, uh, you know, my family ever pokes fun at me about something, I could be like, hey, I've seen pictures of you and look at this. You know, uh, a little bit of stuff for black milk. No, I'm kidding. Um, sometimes looking at old photographs, it just brings back memories. You can look at a picture and you can automatically go back to, I remember everything that happened, where this was taking place, what, what caused this photo to uh, come into existence, what the reason for, or what the reason uh, this photo was taken for. And sometimes you can look back at old photos and you can think, man, Little did we know what was going to happen next. Little did we know what that person was going through while they're laughing here, what would come after this. And so sometimes uh, you can just, it brings back all sorts of memories. Well, my favorite reason for looking at photographs is because it's nice to see progression. Sometimes it's nice to look at where you were and see how you got to where you are today. And so I thought I would give a little bit of an example of this. So I have a slide here. I call this Bobby in three stages, okay? Uh, the first photo, there was really no reason to put it up there, but I just wanted everyone to see how cute I was as a little kid. So, um, but, uh, I mean, I guess that's where it began, right? And so I, from where I was then to today, you know? Um, but let's talk for a minute about Bobby in the middle, Let's talk about this kid. Um, this is sophomore Bobby, and uh, man, he had gel in his hair, uh, a lot of it. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be completely honest with you, probably a little bit of hairspray too, not going to lie, <laughs> not going to lie. That hair wasn't moving at all. It was a, like a, you know, it, it, there was no way all day long it was going to stay just like that until I got to basketball practice. And let me tell you, when you're sweating and you've got gel and stuff running into your face, um, it's horrible. It's horrible. But you know what? Little did he realize where he would be today. <laughs> All that hair gel, and he didn't realize. He, he, he didn't. He took it for granted. We'll just say that. But let's, let's talk about that, that middle kid, that kid right there, that sophomore kid. I, when I was a sophomore, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care about anything but sports. 
That, it was it. That was, it was sports, sports, sports. That's all that, that drove me. That was my passion was, was basketball. That's, uh, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, I look back at that photo and I think of, man, you, didn't, you really didn't realize like, what it is, opportunities you missed. You know, but I, I love that photo because little did I realize after that photo was taken, a friend would invite me to church. And I grew up in church and I believed in God, but I, I wasn't really dedicated to it. And a friend invited me to church and uh, his youth group and said, hey, you should come hang out. And it was there that I met their youth pastor, a guy named Travis Marks, and I still reach out to him from time to time. He's part of the reason I stand up here this morning, because he just poured into me and, and loved on me. I remember him coming over and shooting hoops with us, and just uh, when he would sub at the school, he would come and hang out with us at lunch and just pour into us. And the seeds started to be planted in that sophomore kid. And then this kid on the end still with the gel in his hair. Um, that's senior year of high school. And man, it's complete different from when I was a sophomore to a senior. I, I was more involved in the church. I, uh, I had a passion to, to serve. And, uh, but as a senior, I was still thinking, man, I want to coach basketball. That's what I'm going to do someday. I'm going to be a basketball coach. That was it. That's all I had decided. When I graduated, I was going to go to school, I was going to get a degree in education, and I was going to be a basketball coach. Little did I realize that even while I was taking that picture, God was working something else in my life. And, you know, it was funny, it's just a few months after that picture was taken that I preached my first sermon in church. It was five minutes, I read through my notes, I had like 15, 20 pages of notes, and I just sped read through them. Uh, and that was it. I got done as quick as I could. Uh, I didn't want to talk in front of anybody. God has a good sense of humor, doesn't he? But that's, I show those pictures because those pictures I see from where it started to where I am today. And sometimes we can look at a photo and we can think, man, look at where I was. Maybe when you look at an old photograph, you think, man, this was a really difficult time in my life. This is, when I see this photo, I see all the, the flaws, all the brokenness. But when I look back at that photo now, I look at it and I see the grace and I see the beauty because I'm not the person I was in this first photo that I am now. And sometimes looking at those photos, it can, it can show you where you've been and where you're at. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives us a picture. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives us a picture of where we were, the problem that we were facing, the situation that we were in. And also in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul gives us another picture of how God can take that picture that is full of brokenness and bitterness and death and He can take it and He can take that one picture and He can just transform it when He gets a hold of you. And so this morning we're going to talk about that photo what God has done in our lives, every single one of our lives. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And in the first three verses, Paul lays out our problem. The, first, the photography, the, the photo he lays out for us is this, that we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. No hope, broken, flawed, dead in our sins. 
This is what he says in, in verses 1 and 2. This is where we're going to start. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so he starts by saying, You were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were. It's past tense. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. So something has changed. We'll see what that is shortly. But here we see that we were dead. We were dead. This is not a physical death, of course, but rather it is a spiritual death. And the word death, it carries this idea of separation. In a physical death, your body is separated from your soul. There's nothing there anymore when you die. Your body, your physical body separated from your soul. And it is the same with spiritual death. With spiritual death, you are separated from God. When you are spiritually dead, you are separated from God. And so you were dead. And what caused this death? Well, he says your transgressions and your sins. The reason for our spiritual death was because of our transgressions and sins. The word uh, transgressions in the Greek, it means false steps. And the word sin in the Greek means acts of missing the mark. And so they're very similar in their meaning. We were taking wrong steps. We were walking in the wrong direction. We were missing the mark when it came to how we were supposed to be as those who were created in the image of God. We were rebelling against Him. And it's because of those acts we chose to live against God. It was our sin that began all the way in the beginning in Genesis. It was that sin that had left us dead spiritually. Romans 5.12, it tells us, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Colossians 2.13 tells us, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So we were dead in our transgressions and our sins, in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We had two, re- two things that were causing us to live in sin, to, to be dead in sin. First, we were following the world. We followed the ways of this world. We did the things that the world told us we should do. We lived the way that the world told us we should live. We embraced the things that the world tells us we should embrace. And the world tells us these things are good. These things are right, and these things are good. You should embrace this lifestyle. It's right, and it's good. You should embrace these things. They're right, and they're good. You should live the way we tell you to live, because these things are right and good. But we know that this is not the truth. We know that this is not the truth, that the things this world offer are, in fact, not right and good. Proverbs 14.12 tells us there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And the world lives by this way that they're, they feel like what they live by is right. The things they embrace are right. That the things that they do are right. But Proverbs remind us that's not the case. It appears to be right, but it'll lead to death. And that was us. We were following the ways of this world. And we were also following the ruler of the air. And this we know to be Satan. 
Satan was leading us astray, grabbing us and pulling us in directions that we know we shouldn't go. And when we read this phrase, we know that what it's talking about, this ruler of the kingdom of the air, is Satan. 1 John 5.19 tells us, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And guess what? Satan, just as he deceived in the garden, he is still deceiving people today. People are still being led astray by the prince, the ruler of this world. And then he continues on in verse 3. He says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. All of us also lived among them at one time. We often kind of read through that quickly or we don't really stop to think about that. But that's a powerful phrase that he uses there. All of us also lived among them at one time. What does this tell you? This tells you that there are people who are still choosing to believe the lies of this world. There are still people choosing to believe the lies of the, the prince of darkness. There are still people who are choosing to live by the things that the world and, the, and Satan tell you are good and right. Warren Wiersbe painted in a way that's very sad but true. He says, this means our world is one vast graveyard filled with people who are dead while they are alive. The world is filled with people who are dead while they are alive. And we once lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. We lived amongst them at once. It's true. We know we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 tells us that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the cravings of the flesh, it's this fallen nature that we were born with. Each and every one of us here were born with a sinful nature. All of us were born with this nature within us to want to disobey God. And we have these two things waging war within us. We want to do right, but we also have this desire to gratify the sinful nature. Psalm 51.5, it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Psalm 58.3, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward, spreading lies. And desires and thoughts, it carries this idea that our minds were warped by wrong thinking and thoughts. And so not only were we trying to gratify the sinful nature within us, our minds were being twisted and led astray. That's why I tell people all the time it's very important to think about what it is you listen to, what you put into your brain, because those things will either lead you, or lead you down the right path or they will twist your thinking. Romans 1.21, For although they know God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then Paul says this, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Just like all those other people who live by the ways of the world and live by the, the ways of the prince of darkness, we were part of that and we, just like them, were all deserving of God's wrath. Here's the thing. Every single one of us in this room are deserving of the wrath of God. Every one of us in this room this morning deserve to be punished for what it is that we have done. Every one of us in our sin has rebelled against God and every single one of us in this room deserves 
the wrath that we should get. But, but, in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, Paul shows us what God can do to that picture. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 10, we are saved by his grace. We are saved by his grace. And this is what it says in verses 4 and 5. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by, the, or it is by grace that you have been saved. And so, the beginning of verse 4, because of his great love, because of his great love for us, God loves us so much. I hope you realize that this morning. God loves us greatly. And we know this because we talked about it last week. If you weren't here, we talked about uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and God's story in our life, how he chose us, how he chose us to be adopted into sonship, how uh, we are heirs with Christ because of what God has done for us. And we know that he loves us because it was his plan that we would be adopted into the family. We were adopted into the family. How amazing is that? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are so loved that we would be called children of God. Then it says that He is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. God is a God of love, and God is a God of mercy. Psalm 145, 9, The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. And so in his love and his great mercy, he has made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive. Think about how important that is. How many people do you know have ever brought themselves back from the dead? None. Nobody can bring themselves back from death. And here's the same thing with us. We're dead spiritually. We can't communicate with God, and so we cannot bring ourselves back to life spiritually. There's only one person that can do this, and that is God the Father. He is the only one who can bring us back to life spiritually. Romans 4:17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father and the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls being, or calls being things that were not, into being things that were not. And so we were dead in our transgressions and sins with no hope. And yet he saved us even when we were dead in our sin. And think about Paul as he writes these words. The same Paul who was persecuting Christians, had Christians put to death. This same Paul writes these words in 1 Timothy 1, 12-16. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 
But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience in him and receive eternal life. And he was once dead, and yet it was God who brought him back to life spiritually. And he does the same thing to us. And then he tells us this. What is the the cause of all of this? It is by grace you have been saved. It is by God's grace, God's unmerited favor that we are saved. Because of his great love and great mercy, he poured his favor on us that we didn't deserve. We were worthy of death. We were worthy of punishment. And yet he chose to save us by his grace that we do not deserve. The great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once said this about grace. He said, it is grace at the beginning and grace at the end. So that when you and I come to lie upon our deathbeds, the one thing that should comfort and help and strengthen us there is the thing that helped us in the beginning. Not what we have been, not what we have done, but the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Christian life starts with grace. It must continue with grace. It ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It is by God's grace that we have been saved out of this death that we were in. Our sins, our transgressions, with no hope, His grace has saved us. And then Paul, he just goes on, he continues to lay it down for us in verse 6 and 7. He says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So not only does he have great love and great mercy in our lives, not only has he raised us in our our sin and our transgression, not only has he poured out his grace on us, but now he has also raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We have been resurrected just as Christ was resurrected. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave has brought us back to life. And since we have been raised with Christ, we are to set our minds on heavenly things because we are with him in the heavenly realms. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 tells us, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And because of this, we dwell with Christ in the heavenly realms. We talked about it a little bit last week. The Holy Spirit is that mark on our lives that guarantees our heavenly reward. And we are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 reminds us of that. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Someday we will receive our eternal reward. But we know now that we are still citizens of heaven. We still have that mark on us. If we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we believe in him, we've given our lives to him, we are marked with the Holy Spirit that guarantees that promise. And the good news is this, you can't just be plucked away. You can't just lose it. It is ours. We are citizens in heaven. And it says that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. In the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. Can you imagine that? 
I mean, I've, I know a lot of us, we've, we can say, man, I've seen the grace of God in my life. Can you imagine the incomparable riches of his grace that he still has in store for us? That is amazing to think about. And those riches of his grace, that grace is his salvation, that grace is his love for us, that grace, that unmerited favor. But then, you know what? He just keeps on going. Verse 8 and 9, he says, As for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. And so Paul, he's repeating what he said earlier, but he wants to make something very clear here. He wants to lay it out to where there can be no misunderstanding. He wants us to see uh, exactly what he is saying here. He tells us that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. This is a gift from God. It's nothing that you can earn. It's nothing that you can just, you know what, I'm going to go to heaven, it doesn't matter. No, it's a gift that comes from God, and it comes through faith. We are saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves, it is a gift from God, and this is through faith, not works. Romans 3.22 tells us, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, he says, between Jew and Gentile. Then he goes in Galatians 2.16, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because the works of the law, no one will be justified. And you know, it's important to realize, I've heard people say, isn't faith a work? To put your faith in, isn't that a work? No, it's not. Faith is not a work, it's a means in which one accepts that salvation. And here's the thing, there are so many out there who believe that just by doing good things, it merits salvation. If I serve enough, I'm going to heaven. If I work hard enough, I'm going to heaven. If I, if I help somebody, I'm going to heaven. If I do these things, I'm going to heaven. And that's not how it works. There is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Him. Doing good things doesn't merit salvation. And when I hear that, I often think it's an excuse that people are making because they don't want to live for Him. They don't want to live for Him. They don't want to give their life to Him. They don't want to commit to Him. They think that if they just do enough, that'll be good enough. And that's not how it works. And Paul makes that clear. It's not from works. It's not by the works of the law. It's not by following a set of commands that that gets you there. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, we were dead in our sins. We were saved by His grace. And in verse 10, Paul finishes by telling us, this is now what your life should look like. This now is what your life should look like. He says this in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. The word handiwork, it literally means uh, what is made, workmanship, and creation. Therefore, we are crafted, we are made, we are designed, we are God's creation. He has put us into existence, he has put us in uh, to form. It is The reason we are here is because he has created us. 
Bobby in three stages was created by God. Each and every one of us are created, crafted, designed by God. And here's the thing that we often miss when we read this passage. Too often we end at verse 9 and we end where it says, you are saved by grace and not works. And that's where we usually cut it off. And we usually skip verse 10. And verse 10 is important because Paul tells us here, now that you have been saved from your sin, now that you have been saved by God's grace, your life should reflect that. And we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If you have been saved, if your life has been changed, you should show it in how you live and how you serve and the works that you do. And that's why James in chapter, James chapter 2 verse 26, he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You can't say you are a believer if you choose not to serve. If you choose not to do these things that God has called you to do, if you choose to ignore serving others or or serving Him, you can't say, oh man, I, I believe, if we're not willing to show our deeds, if we're not willing to work and do what He has called us to do. And He tells us this in, in this passage. He says, you know, we were created to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God already knows what He has called you to. God already knows the plan He has for you. God has already set out a task for you and He has given you the Holy Spirit and He has given you the gifts you need to do the things that He has called you to do. And here's the thing. I think too often we stress about what is my calling? What is my calling? What am I supposed to do? I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. And, and we spend our whole lives trying to figure out what is it that I'm actually supposed to be doing instead of just serving. Just serving Him. You realize you might be exactly where God has placed you for exactly the reason He has placed you there. And He has given you the Spirit to, to help you serve and He has given you the gifts that you have to serve Him. And wherever you're at, maybe you haven't hit that point yet. Maybe you're not doing yet what God has called you to do. And while you're waiting and while God is preparing you for that, serve Him. Serve Him. While you wait, serve Him. Man, my, my life is taking a lot of, of twists and turns with where He has called me and what He has called me to do. And you know what? All the time I spent working retail, I don't think for one second I was ever outside of the will of God because in that moment I was placed exactly where I needed to be to do the work that God had called me to do. And we spend too much time worrying about what am I supposed to be doing when what we need to be doing is serving Him. And guess what? Eventually, if He hasn't yet, God will put you exactly where you need to be to do what He has called you to do. But while He prepares you, serve Him anyway. Serve Him anyway. And so here's the picture this morning. Man, we were messed up bad. We were dead. Separated from Him. There was a chasm between us and God. We were dead in our sins. We were stuck. There was no hope for us. And guess what? God came in and He took that picture of brokenness and He he changed it and he, He molded it to say, look at this picture. This is where you were. This is where you are now. 
And I see it too often, people holding up a picture and they say, this used to be my least favorite picture because when I looked at this picture, I saw my days where I was really bad into drugs or I was really bad into this. I was cheating on my wife. I was having an affair. I was in the midst of a struggle. I look at this picture and all I saw for the longest time was heartbreak. But now I look at that picture and I see what I was and I see now where I am saved by God's grace. And so the question I have for you this morning is this. Are you dead or alive? And then I ask the worship team to come up. And that's the question I want you to think of this morning as they come up. Are you dead or alive? Because for many people, they look at that picture in Ephesians chapter 2. And for some, they see it, this is where I was. But for some, they see this is where I am. I am here at the beginning, dead in my transgressions, dead in my sin. Are you living for the ways of this world, for the prince of the air? Is that where you're living? If that's the case, this morning, I promise you, your picture, if you let God into your life, if you let God take hold, He can take something like that and He can change it and He can mold it into something beautiful. Are you putting your faith in the ways of the world? If that's the case, man, you can give your life to him this morning. On your connect cards, you can uh, put that you want to make that decision. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you about it. Or maybe you're here this morning and you gave your life to him, but the world is still, still tempting. The world still tries to get a hold of you. The world still tries to mold your mind, and sometimes we get a little distracted and we start to lose track of him. And maybe you're here this morning and you've just gotten a little bit off track. If that's the case this morning, you can turn back and you can reconnect with Him. And if that's the case this morning where you're sitting, you can, you can pray, you can come pray with me. I'd love to pray with you. Are you dead or alive this morning? And if you are, if you're dead, man... Let him come in. Let him change your life. Let him take over. Let him take that picture and mold it into something beautiful. And if you're here this morning and you've just gotten off track, you've started to lose track of that picture, sight of that picture, reconnect with him. If you have a decision to make this morning, I pray that you would do so as we stand and we sing.